Okay, guys, I'm, I'm going to speak this morning on the title of my message is The Red Sea Road. The Red Sea Road. And it essentially is immersing ourselves in the story from Exodus 13 and 14. And um, that story has become so vivid and meaningful to me in this last season. And I feel like the Holy Spirit wants to highlight to us and reveal things to us through that story this morning. Um, I love Matthew 13. Jesus was always telling stories. And the disciples say to him, why? Why do you always tell stories? And he says, because stories help to create readiness in our hearts, to awaken our hearts to fresh insight and fresh understanding. So some of the stories in the Bible, the Spirit begins to awaken fresh understanding and fresh insight when we immerse ourselves in the stories. And... Um, I believe he wants to show us and highlight some things this morning. So the background to the story in Exodus 13 and 14 is the Israelites have been in captivity. They've been in slavery in Egypt for 400 years. So you guys know the story. Um, and in, in a, a series of signs and wonders and miracles, God rescues his people from the brutality, the heavy hand of Pharaoh, and he brings them out of Egypt. That's the story of Passover that we celebrate in, in April. And he brings them out of Egypt. And now they are on this journey, headed towards their full inheritance, which is the land that God has promised them. And we're going to meet this group of Israelites in, in Exodus 13 and 14 as they've just left Egypt. And they're now headed. They're following the pillar of cloud during the day, the pillar of fire at night, following the presence of God into their inheritance. Now, before we go into the Exodus text, I, um, I want to give us a lens for this season. So what I find is very, very key is that the Holy Spirit works in seasons. And if you don't understand what he's doing in this season, you will misallocate what is happening in your life. But if you understand the lens of what he is busy with in a season, you can yield into what he's doing. We went through a season for a couple of years where I literally felt like I was walking in the mist. I could not see one step in front of me. The Holy Spirit revealed that he wanted to establish deep trust in that season. Trust where I couldn't see with these eyes. He was teaching these eyes, the inner eyes of my heart to see. I understood and I yielded yielded my understanding, right? So now in this season, what I believe, and it was actually revealed to me through a dream that a friend of mine had uh, just a couple of weeks ago, what I believe he's doing in this season is this. He wants to fully establish in us this truth, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, which is Zechariah 4 verse 6. That is the lens for the season. Can I ask you to hold on to that? <clears throat> Excuse me. When you're looking at your circumstances, when you're staring at your life, put on those lenses, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, so that you can yield in to what the Holy Spirit wants to establish in you in this season, okay? Now, that scripture, let's give that scripture context. <clears throat> the prophet Zechariah, sorry, let me just get a sip of water. <coughs> I 
the prophet Zechariah is giving us a vivid prophetic imagery in this piece of scripture, okay? It's called the golden lampstand and the two olive trees. And Zechariah has this vision of a golden lampstand with a bowl receptacle with seven um, uh, pipes that lead to seven flames on this lampstand. And the lampstand is grafted into two olive trees, okay? This is a prophetic picture in the Old Testament of the New Testament church. We are the lampstand and we are grafted in to the oil. It's not oil that comes, poured in, gets used, fill up again. We are grafted into the olive tree, which is, of course, the Holy Spirit. So the olive tree, the 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 oil from the trees drip into this bowl, and the candles receive the oil time after time. It's like this never-ending supply of oil to these five, um, these five flames that burn on, the, on this bowl. That's what Zechariah sees. It is a picture of the New Testament church, okay? You and I are grafted into the Holy Spirit. He is a constant supply of abundant oil pouring from our inner man that keeps the flame of our lives alive by the Spirit, in the Spirit, through the Spirit. The lampstand in this beautiful picture draws this never-ending supply from the olive tree. Isn't it absolutely beautiful? And in the context of that prophetic imagery in the Old Testament, the Lord says, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit. It is a call for us as the New Testament church to operate not by might or power, but by the constant, never-ending, constant supply of the Holy Spirit oil pouring and surging through our lives as believers. And the gift of the Holy Spirit is yours. Why? Because Jesus was nailed to a tree. When he died on the cross, this mystical transaction took place. We died with him. We were buried with him and we were reborn as a new creation. And only because of the rebirth in the spirit can we contain and house the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit, that constant supply of oil surging in us and through us. And so the spirit that raised Christ from the dead now lives in you. Jesus did miracles. He healed people. He walked on water. He multiplied food. Signs and wonders. Why? Because of the Spirit, and that same Spirit is living in you. So when the Word says, and we shall do even greater things, it's not like, oh, how am I going to do that? Not by might, not by power, but as we learn to live in the continual, abundant flow of the person of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus in us. Okay, so that is the lens that I want you to look at this beautiful story in. So I'm in Exodus 13. Not by might, not by power, but by God's Holy Spirit. When Pharaoh let the people of, uh, of God, uh, when, sorry, when Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though that was shorter. For God said, if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. Oh my word, how God knows the heart of man. So God led the people around the desert road towards the Red Sea. The Israelites went up out of Egypt armed for battle. 
After leaving Succoth, they camped at Etham on the edge of the desert. By day, the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, so they could travel by day or night. Neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. Then the Lord said to Moses, tell the Israelites to turn back and camp near Piharioth, excuse the pronunciation, between Migdal and the sea. They are to camp by the sea directly opposite Baal Zephron. Pharaoh will think the Israelites are wandering around the land in confusion, hemmed in by the desert, and I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will pursue them, but I will gain glory for myself through Pharaoh and all his army, and the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. So the Israelites did this. When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds about them and said, what have we done? Have we let the Israelites go and we've lost their service? So he had his chariot made ready and he took his army with him. And it describes all the army that followed him to pursue now the slaves that had left Egypt. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, was it because there was no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone. Let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Oh, my word. They saw signs, wonders, miracles. The hand of God brings them out. And now they, they can't recognize one thing. They can't remember one thing. They're just like, take us back into slavery. And Moses answers the people. Do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance of the Lord. He will bring deliverance for you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only be still. So here we have the Israelites. The Lord has brought them out. They're now between a rock and a hard place. He has specifically said to Moses, bring them to this place. The desert is on one side. And now the advancing Egyptian army and the Red Sea is in front of them. They have absolutely nowhere to go. So God has led them here with signs, wonders, miracles, and suddenly there's like a no way ahead sign. No way that way, no way that way, no way that way. They are absolutely stuck. I want you in this moment to think about the stuck places in your life where you felt the faithfulness of God has led you here and now here has no options, okay? There's no way forward. It might be in your business. It might be in a relationship. It might be in holding out for someone that you really want to see a transformation or a salvation. It might be in your health. It might be in multiple areas. Maybe there's a dream on your heart and you're like, I've come this far and now there is a no way forward sign. And at this moment, for me, there's multiple areas in my life where I'm standing at the Red Sea and I'm like, God, there seems to be no way forward. And at this point, I believe that the, the Lord wants us to turn towards him. 
to turn towards him, not to keep mulling over and going over the way we want things. God, it's supposed to be like this and supposed to be like this and this, and this is what I want. He's like, I want you to want me more than what you want. So as we face the impossible, we need to turn our desire to the one that makes highways through the waves. We need to turn our desire to the way. Not by might, not by power, but by his spirit. Jesus knows turns we've never heard of. He makes roads we could not have dreamed of. He makes miracles happen exactly where you would never have imagined. That is why he is called the way. We need to get so comfortable that he is the way, the way maker, but there's such a confident trust in this place of impossible forward, impossible backwards, cannot go there, cannot go there. Jesus, you are the way. And as we turn into that, you will see miracles, you will see unexpected, unimaginable, unimagined ways open up in front of you. It's so easy to toss the towel in here, to feel like our hope is lost. Our hope in plans, in expectations, in dreams, in outcomes, in jobs, in bank accounts, in medicine, in people, in timelines. This should have already happened. Those things can fall away and disappear and let us down. But one thing that we can be absolutely 100% confident is that hope is never leaving us because we carry hope himself on the inside. And when that becomes our reality, where the miracle that we can always count on, Anne Voskamp says this, is the sustaining witness of God. Okay? We sang, Jesus be my center. I've come to be completely focused on the fact that Jesus is the source, the center, and the sustaining witness of my entire life. So in every area, the impossible ones and the ones where the breakthrough is happening and this, I'm like, Jesus is the source, he's the center, and he's the sustaining witness of my hope. That is why I have hope, because he is here, and he is the way, and he will make a way. He is the promise keeper. He is the miracle worker. So my hope is not in what I thought, or the bank account, or that situation, or that person. It's in him. And that is a practice of the truth of our relationship with Jesus. Anne Voskamp says in her book, the poverty of imagination is what bankrupts hope. The poverty of imagination bankrupts hope. So when you can't imagine how he's working, we need to imagine he's working in ways that we can't imagine. Isn't that amazing? It's like you have to cultivate the active expectation. He's working. And maybe it's going to look completely different than what I felt like. Here I am. There's the sea. There's the army. But he's working. And my imagination, instead of going to, I better go back to Egypt and, you know, where I was safe in slavery or, you know, whatever it is, you, 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 you teach your mind, I will hope in the way. I will hope in hope himself only. And as this unfolds, I will trust him confidently in the process that he works all for our good. That's Romans 8. 
I think this is so important that hope isn't insisting on the way you've imagined your dreams. It's a place of surrender. We imagine we want this and we want like this and at this timeline and like this. There's this place of surrender where we're like, God, I trust you beyond what I understand, beyond what I can do in my mind, my power. I surrender to miracles. I surrender to your way. I surrender to how you want to move in this space, in this place. So as we stand here with the Israelites and we face the Red Sea, I want to remind us of two things that I believe God is restoring to us as a church community. My mom had a word at the beginning of this year about dreams. I'm just going to read it to you. 2023, I believe this year is like a watershed, a crossing of the Jordan River. We are moving into the land of God's promises fulfilled. He wants us to enter in hope, faith, courage, strength, power, and joy given to us by the Holy Spirit. The Lord wants to fulfill promises and prophetic words that he has given to us individually and corporately. So that was what she felt for this year. Okay, he's going to fulfill promises and purposes and dreams, bring fruitfulness. But this was a key aspect. Open your heart and let him fill you with hope again. Allow him to minister into the areas of disappointment, fatigue, hurt, unforgiveness. Last week, Sunday, Alexandra ministered at our home church gathering. And um, I had been in a cycle of trauma in one way of thinking, which was regarding the fear of man, and it had been a cycle for probably the past eight months. I could not get my head out of that loop, and I would just, I'd go there again, and it was like a torment almost. It was so, so difficult. I was so stuck in that place. And um, Alexandra ministered on the fear, uh, on breaking, the Holy Spirit breaking the fear of man. And then she and Susie prayed for us as a family, and all five of us had an encounter with the Lord. We received a, a powerful prophetic word. But the encounter with the Holy Spirit healed me of that, that place of trauma in my mind. This week, I was like, I kept saying to Rob, babe, I'm like free of that place. I, I knew the Holy Spirit wanted to heal that place because it was like a default setting, and things would trigger it over and over and over. And I said to Rob, oh, my word. It's been healed. It's gone. So thank you, my darling friend, for the ministry of your life. But we need to let the Holy Spirit, it's not through mental gymnastics, it's through yielding to the presence of Jesus that we are healed, that our minds are transformed and reformed, that our emotions are healed. So we need to give him our hearts and allow him to do the deep healing so that we can walk into the promises and dreams. You see, I just want to get this for free, but prophetic words, we need to learn this. Prophetic words are not a lottery ticket. Oh, I'm going to be da, da, da. Prophetic words are an invitation to an upgrade in the Holy Spirit. So when he prophesies, Maddie got a beautiful prophetic word. One day she's going to be a surgeon, blah, 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 blah. That is an invitation for her to walk with the Holy Spirit, to become what, everything that God has on his heart for her. And she cannot. She cannot yield. It's not a lottery ticket. It's an invitation. And it's actually asking for you to upgrade. Hey, there's leadership on your life. Wow. Are you going to learn to submit even more? You're going to learn to lay down your life, you know? And, and this is very important. Otherwise, we think this is a carrot. It's not. It's not. The Lord is actually asking, become the dream that I have on my heart for you by yielding to the Holy Spirit. 
So the second thing that my mom said was, we need to give him our most precious dreams, longings, and desires. Surrender them to him because he is good and trustworthy. And he is going to remold them. Now, let me tell you that this story has become so real to me in the last, um, in the last season. And I've stood at Red Sea Roads in places. And I've been like, God, what are you going to do? And he's opened a Red Sea Road before me. And let me tell you that the dream looks different than what I imagined. So I gave him my precious longings, my longings for my children, my prayers for my children. And I'm like, God, how are you going to do this? And I'm praying and I'm contending. And he opens up a road so differently than what I could ever have asked or imagined. That's the process of surrender. When we were looking for a home, so the Lord spoke to Rob in 2009. We were at Bethel about building a house. 2009. And um, so we came back and we knew this was on the cards, but financially we couldn't. In 2016, it was like, okay, we started looking for land. We're going to build. We found a house on Waterfall Avenue in Craig Hall. It was half built. And it was exactly like, this is, the, this is definitely the dream. This is absolutely the dream. We, we sat, we took our car, we parked there in front of the gate. We warfared, we sang, we picnicked in the face of the enemy. We declared, we declared. And it didn't happen. And months later, the Lord showed Rob this piece of property. Guys, you should have seen our property before we built. It was an abandoned tennis court. It was like a dump yard. It was, I look, I said, Rob, I don't know. I don't know about this. This is very small and very, very bad. And he was like, this is the property. And this is my dream. We live in the dream fulfilled. And it, if I'm so grateful we didn't hang on to that one. We take our, our dreams and we say, Lord, because there's the desires and longings in our heart actually reflect. That was a word he birthed in us. So our, our longings reflected his but the way he wants to do it, we cannot be so stubborn like you have to do it now and like this. We need to trust that he is absolutely trustworthy. And if it doesn't work out the way that we think it should, it's working out for good. <clears throat> better, <laughs> better. There's a risk in dreaming. That's the second thing. As we stand here at the Red Sea with the Israelites, <laughs> dreaming with God is part of our design. Because this is what happens. He has a dream on his heart, our Father, okay? John 15 tells us when we abide with him, okay, we actually dream with him. The purpose of our dreams, like our home, that he spoke to Rob about, I'm just going to use that example, in 2009. That was the dream on his heart. He shared it with us. It birthed a dream in our heart. That home has become a promise fulfilled. And it is not just, tick, we got the breakthrough on what he promised. It becomes a space where his nature is exhibited. Who he is is exhibited to the world. That is why we carry the dreams of the Father. Because it's actually extremely important that we manifest those dreams. That we build those dreams. That we contend for those dreams. Not on our terms. Not on the way we think it should happen. But yielded and surrendered to him. To express his nature and his hearts to the world. Do you know that there are things that he wants to do on this world, in this world, that cannot be done without our partnership? That's a big thing. That's a big thing. 
And so John 15, I spoke about this in my last preach, but um, it, it, it's speaking about abiding, and this is what we're learning, this is what we're practicing, and then there's this little verse at the end, you know, it goes about how we're, we're in union with Christ, and that's where fruitfulness comes from, and it's for our joy, and then it says, and you can ask anything in my name, and I'll give it to you. You can pray anything, and I'll give it to you. And I'm like, that should come with a disclaimer, because that's really, like, not really what happens. But what it's teaching us is, if you abide, you carry his heart. And then when you pray, and then when you ask, it manifests in his way and in his time. So Bill Johnson speaks about desire, and he breaks that word up into desire, de of sire a father. Where are your desires coming from? Because they come from a father. So if you are communing with self, ambition, greed, disappointment, hurt, unforgiveness, bitterness, worldly thinking, that's where your desires are coming from. Mm, that's not what Jesus is saying. He's saying if you're communing with the father, with Jesus, with the spirit, if you're communing with him, your heart begins to look like his heart. And then as you ask, it begins to manifest. Because it has to manifest. Our lives need to look like the nature of God. When I pray for Maddie and her future, shame she's on, on stage today. When I pray for her, when I pray for her spouse, when I pray for her family, it's not that she would, oh, yeah, she's going to be a surgeon, tick, and she's going to have a husband, tick. It's that when that promise is fulfilled in her life, the kingdom of God will be established in her and through her, and generationally will take more ground. We don't take ground necessarily physically, but we take it spiritually. Our house, our home, our family, this is, this is spiritual ground. The promises fulfilled are not a breakthrough. They're the land we're meant to inherit. And it's meant to represent the heart of God. Motherland was born from the heart of God. It is an established reality of what he wants to do. And he's got things that he's placed on your heart. Promises, dreams, desires, but we have to surrender. We have to abide. We have to trust. And right now, if it looks impossible and you're standing at the Red Sea, turn to him the way. Surrender. Lay it down. Give him your, your dreams. Say, Jesus, mold it. Heal this disappointment. Heal all this stuff because we cannot lower our expectation for what he wants to do in our life because we've been disappointed. We have to take that hurt, the disappointment, allow the Holy Spirit to heal. So let me read that verse again. Moses said to these people that are now grumbling and afraid and scared and want to go back to Egypt. He says, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring to you today. The Egyptians you, are, you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only be still. When things are tough and there's real pressure and there's real emotion, the hardest thing to do is be still. And that phrase echoes throughout Scripture. Psalm 46, be still and know that I am God. And still is the word rafa in Hebrew. It means relax, release, weaken, surrender, slacken. When we, we get into that place, like we've got, to, we've got to make this work, you get into this like hyped activity instead of be still, slacken, 
relax so that you can know, know is yada in Hebrew, so that he can reveal himself, so that you can know him, we have to slacken and relax and be still. Being still is actually an action. We have to practice that space of being still here between the rock and the hard place, here between possible death and drowning. Be still and know the way, know the truth, know the life. And so we see... And so we see the Lord saying to Moses in the next verse, Why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go in after them. And I will gain glory through Pharaoh and all his army through his chariots and his horsemen. The Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I gain glory through Pharaoh, his chariots and his horsemen. And then the angel of the Lord who had been traveling in front of Israel's army withdrew and went behind them. The pillar of cloud also moved from its front, from the front and stood behind them, coming between the armies of Egypt and Israel. Throughout the night, the cloud brought darkness to the one side and light to the other, so neither went near the other all night long. And then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and all that night the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind and turned it into dry land. The waters were divided and the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on the right and on their left. So there Moses stands. And Moses is kind of a picture of Christ, right? Awesome. Okay, so give me, give me till 22. Is that okay? The kids are going to come and minister to us from Kids Church in a moment. So Moses stands with his arms outstretched at the side of the ocean. And Moses is a picture, like a, a, a foreshadowing of like a kind of Jesus. It's like he's making the symbol of the cross, you know? He stands there, and the wind begins to blow, and the Lord makes a way, a Red Sea road in what is impossible. And I think it's such a beautiful picture because always, in the complexity of all, the simplicity of the cross is the only answer. When life gets more and more and more complex, I encourage you to come back to communion, as in taking communion and communion with God because it's always in the cross. Our access to spiritual blessing, to his nearness, to hope and joy and healing and deliverance and freedom is through the cross. We can get into, okay, let's do this. Let's do this. No, the power is in the blood of Jesus. You come back to the cross. It was through his death, his burial and resurrection that we have every spiritual blessing, that we take the healing that he won with the stripes, the, the, the wounds on his own body. We take his promises, his nearness, his Holy Spirit from the reality of the cross. And so I just love that. As you face the impossible, we come back to the, the cross every time, to the simplicity of that place where the extravagance of who God is flows through our life from that simple, um, that simple truth of what Jesus did on the cross. 
And so the Lord opens the way and the Egyptians follow them and then they get drowned in the water. And what, what God says over and over again is, it's for my glory. Like this story is for my glory. And that's what happened with, happens with the Red Sea story is that it's not by my might nor by my power. I boast only in the Holy Spirit and what he has done, what Jesus has done. It's for his glory. And our lives need to tell that story. I couldn't have done this myself. This is him in me and through me. And so they write this beautiful Thanksgiving song. And I think wherever we are today, it's always good to start with Thanksgiving. So I just, I just took excerpts of the, that song from Exodus. Close your eyes and let's just thank the Lord for who he is. So I want you to envision right now areas in your life that you feel are impossible. Hopes and longings and dreams. And you go, like, God, you've led me this far. And I don't know where to go. I feel so stuck. And we're going to turn our focus, our attention to the way who is making a way. To the truth who is fulfilling every word on, that has been spoken over our lives. And to the life who gives us abundant life as our source and our sustaining witness in the middle of the war, in the middle of the mess, in the middle of the impossible. And I want you to say, God, I trust you. It may look different than what I had imagined. But I give you my impossible. And I thank you that you are going to open a Red Sea Road. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. He is my God and I will praise him. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. By the blast of your nostrils, the waters piled up. The surging waters stood up like a wall. The deep waters congealed in the heart of the sea. Who is like you? Majestic in holiness, awesome in glory, working wonders. You stretch out your right hand and the earth swallows your enemies. In your unfailing love, you will lead the people you have redeemed. In your strength, you will guide them to your holy dwelling. You will bring them in and you will plant them on the mountain of inheritance. Right now, the Lord is like stirring up a hope again in the inheritance that he wants you to walk into, which is a manifestation of the dreams on his heart in and through your life. I believe that there's like just the Holy Spirit is ministering to our hearts right now. He wants to break through in multiple areas. And, and the promise fulfilled is to display his glory and his nature and his plans and purposes to the world. And right now it's like he's highlighting those things in your heart. Because he is going to establish us on the mountain of his inheritance. The place, Lord, you made for your dwelling. The sanctuary, Lord, your hands established. The Lord reigns forever and ever. Mm -hmm.